Hi, I'm Anne Ray Cox. And Dan, what if I told you that today you'll leave here different? <laughs> oh my. <laughs> Hi, I'm Daniel Dresner, and Anna, I'm pretty sure you can go wrong with a fried fish sandwich, in fact. I had that exact same thought. I honestly did. I was like, I like actually, a... there's a lot of ways that you yeah, could like, go wrong. Don't get me wrong. I like a good fried fish sandwich. But I was like, no, there are many ways that could go sideways on you. I'm just saying. You know. Welcome to Space the Nation, where we look at science fiction through the lens of... Anthropocentric sovereignty. And apparatus theory. Today, we'll be talking about nope. 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 Which I do think needs to be said nope like nope. that. Nope. Yep. Yep. Which is available on Peacock and you can rent it various places. Mm-hmm. In the next few weeks, we'll be talking about My Soul to Keep and Dan. I'm excited about this one. I'm looking forward to doing the core. I think we, we need we need something along those lines. These yeah. are some, we, we're doing some heavy stuff. <laughs> yes, yes. We, <laughs> like this I, is actually, for like a summer blockbuster, this is... Not exactly a summer blockbuster yeah, in a lot of it's, ways. Yeah. It's, it, I, we have lots to talk about. Yep. Nope. Yep. So <laughs> if you are not a patron, please consider becoming a patron. Our Patreon page is patreon.com slash space the nation. And mm-hmm. it's a cool, fun thing to do. All yep. the kids are doing it. Yep. Yep. We have a really lively discord and I promote it every time because i really do think it's the best thing about being a patron you Mm -hmm. also get access to episodes early and i've actually posted them a -hmm. few times early you also theoretically get access to our monthly auas in the case of february (laughs) we did not have an aua (laughs) no we did have one in january we had one in january we weren't that bad yes look at us but you know what it's at february (laughs) he only has 28 days that's why it 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 it, there you go crept up on us that way but we're gonna have one in march we're gonna get more regular we have one in february on leap year that's, there you go. Exactly. You that go. should be the rule. I think that's, that's <laughs> I think we figured it out. You can also reach us via social media. We're not really on Twitter at this point. Uh, mm-hmm. We are on Mastodon and Post. We are also doing other things. I have a Substack in which I continually try to prove Anna wrong about the future of newsletters. It's called Dresner's World. Anna, you have a website, I believe. Here's the thing, Dan, if all of my friends prove me wrong mm-hmm. about the sustainability of newsletters, yes. I will go broke. Like, <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> I will personally be put out of my home because it is so much more expensive. You know what I'm thinking? I'm thinking, Dan, it's like everyone who has a really good newsletter should get together and then they should have like some other person pick out the best parts of the newsletters. Like an editor kind of person? And then put them all in one place. Yeah. And then charge for the one thing that has all the best pieces in it. It would almost be as if like all the streaming services got together and like formed a mega streaming service where you could just like go from channel to channel or something. Yeah, like in real time. Yeah, that would be amazing. (laughs) I think we've we've had some good business. This is some good business ideas we got. I think we could, you know, set up shop in a valley somewhere in California. Yeah, we're going to disrupt newsletters. There we go. (laughs) I do not have a newsletter. I have an Instagram account, which is at Anna Marie Cox, and I have a website upon which I have started a blog. <gasps> you? A blog, Anna? Oh, I my. I know. It's an old-fashioned thing to do. Wow. And it's actually a very old-fashioned idea. It is a, kind of a continuation of my sobriety advice column that I was doing for The Cut. Oh, good. It's called The Knock. Mm-hmm. which is a reference to back in the day uh, when a bartender was going to give you a free round of drinks, they would knock on the bar. Oh, And so this is that. free advice for drinkers. 
I like it. See what I did there. Yeah. 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 And Mm -hmm. so that is Anna Marie Cox slash the dash knock. And I am taking submissions if people have questions. And also you can tip me as you might tip a bartender Mm -hmm. for the advice that I am giving. Oh, and I am writing a book. So yeah, I've, I've heard that and I'm looking forward to reading it, you know, like at various times. Sure. At various yeah. times, you're looking forward to reading it at various times. Good. I'm looking forward to reading it in various iterations on it because I'm assuming okay. I'm, I, I'm assuming Aww. I might get early access to some of the chapters and provide Aww. feedback and stuff. So, you know, yeah, Dan. that's what I mean by that. I, I, I like that you assume that. That's really sweet. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> but Dan, how are you? I'm doing well, Anna. I believe both of us went to Florida at the same time. I went to visit my folks, and it's always lovely to see them, and they're great hosts. And, you know, even at my age, I like occasionally to be, you know, a little bit pampered by my parents. So that was that was pleasant. That How was about nice. you, Anna? Yeah. Well, Dan, I was in Miami. It, it's not French Polynesia, <laughs> which I understand is lovely. It is. I, I have friends who have been there, and they, they say it's quite nice. <laughs> yes, yes. No Antarctica either. No, but... no. Definitely the opposite of Antarctica in a lot of ways. Yeah. <laughs> right. But it is Miami. Miami is It is nice. Miami. And I had a good time. But then, oh, fucking climate change, Dan. My flight, I was coming in on Tuesday night. And mm-hmm. it was already on Tuesday night that the big snowstorm that will be two weeks from now when people hear this had started mm-hmm. to happen. And yep. flights were getting canceled. And it trickled down effect. I wound up getting home at 2 a.m. Oh, and Dan, I'm going like to tell that. you. Yes, Anna. If I was thirty something, mm-hmm. that would have been like, oh well. Yeah. You know, late night. It fucking wrecked me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like, I just, I was like, I can't. I'm not. I told you, like, I was like semi-functional the next day. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I need my, I need my eight hours, Dan. <laughs> like, I am sympathetic to this problem. I, too, am getting, like, you know, getting a little harder to travel. So, yes. But, yes and I'm just right the late nights. You. Just, like, I can't yeah. do I can't do the things I used to do. I guess mm. that's that's what getting old is all about, right? Or you know, it is better than the alternative. And I would that also is... say you acquire the wisdom of knowing why you can't do those things anymore. And that's not the worst thing in the world. And you sometimes don't enjoy those things as much. But travel, yes. I do enjoy. And also, I'm someone who... I enjoy the travel part of travel, which mm-hmm. not everyone does. Like, yeah, I kind of I don't like love being on an airplane, but it's always kind of cool to me that when you're traveling, nothing. This is gonna sound really weird. If you're late or anything, it's everyone else's fault. <laughs> That's yes, <laughs> yes. You can't control the airline. You can't control the weather. Like so long as you got to the plane before yeah. it left, it's, everything it's, else is on. And that's the only thing I worry about when I'm traveling, like, Mm -hmm. because everything else from here on out is on somebody else. I don't have to take care of anything. So I like traveling on it because the people watching, I'm not going to lie. It's it's premier people watching time to travel. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm like, it's nice to be back to it as well. I did wear my mask some because. Not the worst idea. Yeah. Especially as someone who has yet to get COVID. Yeah. Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah. Take some pride in that, Anna. <laughs> well, you know, I do take pride in it. And <laughs> I was going to try to do a segue. I also take pride in this podcast. How's that? That good? Okay. Are we yeah. good? All yeah. right. Yeah. Well, this podcast is about 
science fiction, movies, books, TV. And today we are discussing Nope. Nope. Hard not to just keep saying it. Yeah, it really is a fun thing to do. And indeed, actually, that was one of my favorite things in the movie was just the various times they would say nope. Yeah, I liked it too. <laughs> yeah. Dan, why? Why are we talking about nope? Well, given the subject matter that we cover here on Space the Nation, Anna, um, it was becoming a wee bit awkward that we had not done a Jordan Peele film. You can argue all three of his films to date have been variations on sci-fi slash horror, and God knows there's some poli-sci in there. So, yeah. Uh, you know. uh, a little, so, little bit, a little bit. So it seems like we should tackle those. Plus, in a world in which IP is a flat circle, as you have commonly referred to, we've, we've talked a lot about content that has been you know, strip-mined or rebooted or resurrected or what whatnot. I love, legit love, that Peel actually just keeps coming up with new stories. You know, he's directed three movies, all of which he has written, all of which are based on nothing but stuff in his head. And also, correct me if I'm wrong, I think there was a little bit of an Oscar controversy involving Nope, because Nope didn't, did he get any nominations nope. or no? Nope. 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 No nominations. Nope. 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 And you know who did get nominated? I I I, I know you're going to tell me. Yep. yep. Top fucking gun, which is an enjoyable movie. We yep. both enjoyed it. We talked about it for the podcast. See, I, I, as I said before, what I'm worried about is that the reason it got nominated is that we tackled it in the podcast and we failed to discuss Nope. And I, I got to wonder, you know, that given might our... That be it. We might given just our, have to sneak influence in hollywood like did we that's accidentally true. cause this that's I think we true when we get those mailers like we need yeah. to remember to like vote yes and suggest nominations uh, anyway yeah it, it's the controversy i it's funny when i was when i was googling the controversy around the oscars and this mm -hmm. movie what came up for me was mm -hmm. the controversy over top gun and getting nominated for best picture which still what the fuck and Tom Cruise not getting nominated for Best Actor. Like, people are very <laughs> upset about that. And okay. I, I mean, he's a good actor. He's a good actor. He's a good actor. He's actually good in Top, Gun, in Top Gun Maverick. He's much better in Top Gun Maverick. Well, no, he's, he's good in Top Gun as well. He's good. He's I, a good actor. Yeah. Is this the thing that he needs to get an Oscar for? I don't think so. No. No. I mean, no. I, 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 I think the performances in Nope are way better. Like, way more impressive. Huh. I think Daniel Kaluuya in this movie is fantastic. Like just He's great. Actually for me it was so Steven good. Yoon because I that is an oh. incredibly underwritten role and what he brought to that was was like I actually wanted to see a whole separate movie just like a prequel on him because I was yeah. fascinated by him. So yeah, no no no, the performances and are, are cinematography great. much? Yep. <laughs> yep. Yep, 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 yep. Not nope. Nope, not nope. Yep. yep. We have very good reasons to do this movie. Mm -hmm. The next question is, should people stop this podcast right now? Mm -hmm. Because if you listen to the podcast, it will ruin it for you. And or the more general question. Yeah. So should they watch it. Should someone watch it? Or should I am they just definitely going to the podcast. I am. I'm going to say you should watch it. Uh, although I think as it will come clear, I think Anna liked this film a bit more than I did, but I, I liked it. And more importantly, there are, plot twists in the film that you know are worth not knowing about when you watch the film so in that sense i think yes in the sense that that you don't necessarily have to have watched this before listening to the podcast 
I think the biggest value added to this film by far are the visuals. This is a gorgeous movie to watch, um, particularly by horror movie standards, I would say. Yeah. And we're not going to be able to do justice to the visuals in terms of the podcast. We can't describe them in that sense. But I do think you should watch the film before you listen to the podcast. I will say that if for some reason you are forced to listen to this podcast, like you're driving and you can't <laughs> yes. stop it or someone. Or, like, you know, you're on a travel delay and you're like in an airport and like you got no choice and you're just right. sitting listening to the podcast. Yeah. Or if or if someone has tied you up and put you in the sunken place and is playing mm -hmm. this podcast, which would be weird. But if that happens, you will still enjoy the movie after you've listened to this podcast, even if you had to listen to it through no mm -hmm. choice of your own. Uh, I do really think it was robbed for an Oscar for cinematography. It is, yeah. by horror movie standards, one of the most gorgeous movies I've seen, up there with, I'd say, The Shining. And even for sci-fi movies, although the bar is higher there, I think. Yeah. All right, let's get to the story behind the story. Anna, in the, the research that I did after I watched this film, I heard Jordan Peele name a number of, of different films as his influence for this one. And I'm legit curious how they all matter. Yeah. So <laughs> I'm going to try not to give too much away about our own discussion, mm -hmm. but this is a movie about Hollywood. Yeah. And so Hollywood is his influence, but it's mm -hmm. also his topic. And this is a movie that was influenced by blockbusters, but also is kind of a blockbuster or is styled to be such. It was introduced as such by the production company, and it did very, very well. Which is good for Jordan Peele. And it's also, I mean, the word that us, keeps coming... Good for everybody, yeah. Right. The, the word that, that is recurs in the film, and I think the word that is clearly describes film, is spectacle. Yes. Yeah. Yes. That word comes up a lot. Guy Debord would love this movie. I think also Adorno would probably like it. When we oh, talk yes. about that more later. Yeah. <laughs> he would love this movie. Specifically, Peele called out King Kong, Jurassic Park, and The Wizard of Oz. Spielberg, <laughs> sort of in general. Yeah. And he has said he, he wanted it to be <laughs> a blockbuster that you can take any way you like. And I do think it's enjoyable on the level of the cinematic experience. Like mm -hmm. just to go to a movie and consume it. Yep, 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 yep. It is also a lot more than that. <laughs> oh, yep, 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 And I, wanna, I have a genuine question for you, which is, is it a good sign if, when you're watching a movie, you think to yourself, oh, I bet there's some great essays about this movie? It is funny that you say that, because I, as I was watching the movie, what I kept thinking was, I can't wait for this movie to be over so I can read about the movie. <laughs> <laughs> um, which is not something I necessarily think about with a lot of films, but this one I was very curious, like, what, what did people say about this? Because I avoided a lot of the, you know, when it came out, I I didn't know if I was going to see it or not. And like, you know, I, I tend to read stuff about a film very carefully because I don't want to have plot spoilers. Yeah. And this one seemed like one where, like, there would be plot. You didn't want to necessarily have the plot spoilers. So, yes, I, I agree with you. This This is a movie that is entertaining. It is a spectacle. It's also a movie that... Yeah, you could have an edited volume about this. This There's going to be theses written about it. And I also yep. think I had the thought, and it's not like this is an original one or a mm -hmm. first to say it or even the first time I really thought it, but Jordan Peele is going to be considered like one of our great filmmakers. Like he's going to be a historically good filmmaker. I think well, he already he, is I think with, the, with these the, three films. The way I would put it is he's clearly an auteur at this point, at a minimum, and he's going to be more than that 
you know, depending on how. He's going to uh, be up there with Spielberg, I think. He's hmm. pretty young. And That's true. I, I think the three movies he's made are as good or better. Whoa. Than a lot of Spielberg's work. I mean, Spielberg's Ooh. work has a spans a real. Yeah. A, <laughs> there's a curve. I want to say nope on that one. I'm not entirely sure I'm convinced about that. These films are really good. I, you it's, know, but. Well, it, it, it's better than the median Spielberg film. Ooh. If you consider the range of movies that Spielberg has made. I grant you that, but like, ooh, oh, I don't know about that. All right, I discuss in the nope comments, as they yeah, say. Yeah, yeah, that's discuss that's in the that's going to be a fun Discord debate. <laughs> you know, Discordians, you can you can get on this. So, Ada, I do have a couple questions. Which is, first of all, Peel has given a lot of interviews about this film, right? Yeah. Like, um, he hasn't been shy about it. What does he say it's about? He said it's about the monetization of spectacle, Dan. Like, this, oh, well, mission well, accomplished. Yeah, we're done. I just don't yep. have to do any more work. Yeah. <laughs> no, at least we can go home now. <laughs> Anna, I don't know if you have this experience, but there are times where I, we, we watch these films or, you know, whatever. And like, I'm, I'm watching this and thinking, oh man, just write on as part of the script for it. Okay. I mean, come on. Is there capitalism? Is there critique of capitalism? Oh, I wonder if there is. It's yeah, not clear. Someone just died for money. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, Someone died from money getting shot into their skull, Dan. I think there's a critique of capitalism in this movie. <laughs> that happens in like the first five minutes. Yes. Oh, man. Uh, he also has talked about it as a blockbuster, and he said he came up with the idea during COVID and the spectacles that were happening on television during COVID. Which I think it's interesting to think about how the George Floyd protests might have informed. Hmm. some of what he was thinking about and hmm. the fact that the Floyd protest became what it was because of a video that was filmed by a bystander. Well, one of the themes that's, that I believe runs through all of his films so far, although I haven't seen us, I, I should add, is he really does like the, the power of video or the power of mm-hmm. image and as a way of protecting, among other things, uh, minorities, which is not an insignificant thing. So yeah. And, and it, it was definitely a part of Get Out, and it's definitely a part of this. Yeah. Yeah. On a couple of other questions. Uh, first of all, this movie, I believe, starts with the first ever motion picture, literally, in that you see uh, the Murbridge video of, of what I believe is a black cowboy. It's like the first ever. It's a black jockey. Yes. Black jockey. I apologize. Yes, yes. Yes. But the first ever recorded motion picture, is that correct? It is literally moving pictures. There's yes. sort of a debate about whether or not you can consider it a movie. Right. Fair enough. But yes. it is moving pictures. Mm-hmm. And it is, uh, they say in the movie that the name of the horse is known and the name of the jockey is less well known. It is actually mm-hmm. not known. Yeah. <laughs> like, period. Uh, no one knows who that jockey is. And we do know the name of the horse, which... I am blanking on at the moment, but you know what? The name of the horse isn't as important. And the irony is we also don't know the name of uh, the jockey. And the whole movie is about minorities in Hollywood, right? Yeah. And their disposability and the way that they're treated by, like, animals, you might say. Hmm. You might consider them, that you might say that that's the way Hollywood sees them, as interchangeable and as, as commodities to be exploited. I don't know. I don't know where I'm going with that. But where did you draw that from? That was that was is that in this film? Silly, wow, silly. didn't notice that. Yeah, uh, and it also specifically is about or references 
Black Cowboys. Jordan Peele has movie the movie posters from Sidney Poitier's films, Black Cowboy films, mm-hmm. up in the house that M and OJ live in. And the he Haywood said, Ranch, yes. The Haywood Ranch. And he said that those were really important movies to him as a kid. Oh, that's good. And, you know, again, credit to Jordan Peele. He's come up with three original films. And in some ways, it's a critique of Hollywood. It's also a, presumably a critique on the IP as a flat circle question. Uh, is Peele about to join that, though? He has said that he has ideas for sequels. Oh. And the cast definitely wants to do it again. I can't remember which member says that they... Oh, it's the guy that plays the Fry's employee. Oh, Angel. Yeah. Angel. Brandon Perea, who plays Angel, the Fry's electronics employee, was supposed to die. And I indeed thought that he was going to die it seemed like that was going to happen yes apparently he lobbied very very hard to not die because he wants a sequel really badly and he would like to be in that sequel the actors all spoke really well of the movie which isn't always the case with the movies we talk about Mm -hmm. Uh, apparently everyone had a good experience they seem to have a delightful time on the on the press tour it really the vibe is very much of of of, uh, people who enjoyed working together so i i don't know I mean, I think it'll be a very different story. By the way, Anna, did you notice the connection to For All Mankind in this film? No. Ah, I was very pleased because I couldn't figure out why the the accent sounded. So Jupe's girlfriend, I guess, or wife? Yes. Um, Oh, I recognize her too. Yes. She is, uh, the actress's name is Ren Schmidt. She plays uh, Margot Madison in For All Mankind. Yes, it's just she's so frumpy in For All Mankind. I think I probably didn't quite connect the lady in the cowboy dress. There you go. With yeah. Margot. But I recognized her. I just didn't do the work that you did, Dan, to find <laughs> who it was. I like to put in the work on. You put in the work. You do I, the work. I do the work. Thank you. Work. All right, should uh, let's get to Chekhov's What's It? This is the thing that appears in the first act uh, of a film or tv show that often winds up recurring or playing an important role in the third act anna what do you got Chekhov's wishing well camera (laughs) which i did not know was a thing by the way like i don't think it's a thing i think it's actually a pretty awkward Chekhov's what's it yeah like that when when he was so it's so like like when it like it comes up and it's like what the fuck like what is this yeah i was very confused by that i can tell you they do tease it because I'm I, sure. yeah. I did I did the thing. I watched explainer videos about the movie. Fair enough. Fair enough. Now that's like part of the fun for me when we, when we do these. <laughs> uh, when I can find good ones. Like I said, New Rockstars is my favorite. They have a image from Kid Sheriff, the movie that the Jupe is supposed to have done oh, as a kid. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the movie poster for Kid Sheriff is the three kids looking down a well. So it is cool. a callback. To nice. That. I like that. That's good. All right. What do you uh, got? I have Chekhov's Tube Men, which, Works. by the way, is is such a perfect thing for Jordan Peele to like use because those things creep me out. They're visually interesting and like he he makes and excellent use of them. Empty. Yes. <laughs> they're just empty and also definitely vessels of capitalism. And so, yeah. spectacle. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Drawing attention. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All of the things. He's he is so fucking smart. Like, man, I bet him and Colson Whitehead are friends. Assholes. Jerks for being jerks. so cool. Jerk cool 
smart people like don't like them. Yeah. Yeah. Hogging all the cool smart stuff. Yeah. Anyway. I bet Colson Whitehead could do a you know good Obama impression as well. God yeah, damn it. Probably. Probably. Yeah, yeah, all right, Dan, we need to talk the actual movie because it is really good and I, I, I wanna try and get as, as much conversation about it as we can okay. even though we're not gonna be able to successfully tell people how gorgeous it is. Okay. Let's get to the plot. Act one, some weird-ass prologues. The feel-good movie of the year starts with two scenes of horrifying death, Anna. We we hear and sort of see what sounds like a cheesy 1990s sitcom interrupted by some very mad chimp violence. Meanwhile, in Agua Dulce... Did I pronounce that correctly? It's Agua Dulce, I think? Agua Agua Dulce. Dulce. Agua Dulce, okay. In Agua Dulce, the Haywood family uh, trains and handles horses for Hollywood productions. One day, Otis Heward Sr. is hit by a seemingly random metallic objects falling from an airplane. It's a uh, coin, Dan. It's a coin. But there were also keys. You also yeah, saw yeah, other yeah, things yeah. falling in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but it was a coin that hit him, yes. Despite his son Otis Jr.'s best efforts, he dies. The ranch is left to OJ, who is not a people person, um, and his sister M, who is too much of a people person, maybe? Without their father, they are struggling to keep the ranch afloat. OJ keeps selling horses to his neighbor, Jupe, who is a former child actor from the 1990s that survived that previous uh, scene of mad chimp violence. Uh, Jupe is trying to create a theme park called Jupiter's World, Although he also makes some money on the side by preserving bloody memorabilia from that horrific <laughs> event in the 1990s sitcom. Anna, I did not dislike this movie, but I'm not going to say that I loved it either. And I think part of the reason was that Otis Sr. is played by Keith David, who is a friend, I don't know, of, the friend pod, of the blog. Yeah, exactly. Yes. Yeah. yeah, friend of the pod. You know, Keith David has, has recurred throughout a lot of the episodes that we've talked about. And I think my rule is I'm not going to like a film that kills off Keith David in the first, you know, act on it. Like, that was that was the thing I was upset about. I was like, wait, we're ten minutes in and he's dead? Like, that, that, you never can have enough Keith David. I'm just saying that. I agree that it is unfortunate to lose him. Yeah. I do think that's one of the many places of meta commentary that <laughs> Peel is doing. I mean, number one, Keith David is a sci-fi horror character actor right legend like, yes exactly and so yeah. i think he's chosen for a reason yeah that's in, fair in this movie and i kind of wonder if killing off the black person early on in the movie is a little <laughs> bit of a nod to one of the many complaints about white how white supremacy shows up in mm-hmm. genre perhaps i don't know should we say here since we're going to mention it later or yeah. there's no there's no place to say it better than this which is yes. that the movie has commentary on white supremacy in, in horror movies. What? And, and no, the Anna. best one is yeah. the characters noping out. Like, yep. <laughs> <laughs> it is funny every time something bad happens. Yep. And rather than running towards the danger, they're like, nope, 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 nope. <laughs> it is like I. This is not a funny movie. Like, this is a... Not, but that was the one, like, funny thing throughout the entire film. Like, I assume somewhere on YouTube there exists a supercut of OJ just saying nope all the damn time. Yeah, and uh, M does it too. And they say there's other times they say nope in conversation, but the best times are with, like... The smart black character. Yes. <laughs> Being like, no, that was my favorite. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> that was without question 
my favorite part of, of watching this film, but seeing all the various times he was like, yeah, I would have said nope there too. Like it was a good gut check of like, there is would no I pretty white lady final girl running up the stairs towards the attic where she can't get away. Right. You know, <laughs> so. Yes. All right, let's, let's get to act two. Can I interest you in an Oprah shot? One night, <laughs> I, by the that way, sounds, I love that. Sounds bad, but okay. I, but but they, I mean, come on, it's referenced in the film, Anna. Like I'm not true. drawing that out of nowhere. True, 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 true. Go ahead. Go All ahead. right. So one night, the Haywoods notice their power fluctuating. OJ looks up in the sky and definitely sees a UFO of some kind. This thing flies down, seems to abduct things, and then spits out whatever inorganic matter it's digested. This sure suggests that Otis Sr. wasn't killed, in fact, by airplane debris, but rather by this thing. To save the ranch and hit the jackpot, M decides they need to document the phenomenon. They need to have what M literally refers to as the Oprah shots that can go on Oprah. They head to Fry's Electronics and recruit employee Angel Torres to set up all the surveillance cameras. The UFO arrives again. It abducts a horse named Clover, as well as a decoy stolen by M from Juppé's theme park. M tries to recruit cinematographer Antlers Holst to help them record footage of the UFO, but he declines. Angel arrives, cops to surreptitiously watching their footage when he was at Fry's Electronics, and seeing some pretty weird shit. He shows the Haywoods a cloud captured on camera that never moves, despite the rest of the weather moving. On a, the stationary cloud was actually, I thought, like one of the cooler effects. It's like a subtle thing, but like I, I was really impressed by that. But in some ways, it's a little emblematic of the film because I'm not sure it goes anywhere. Maybe the UFO is using it to hide, but it's not really developed more than that. Also, I'm just going to point out that like, if you actually want evidence that there's some weird shit going on, just recording that cloud thing could have done part of it. Um, so, you know, they could have actually shown that to Antlers. Doesn't work. I agree with Antlers that yeah. it's not enough. Like, it's too easy to fake. Oh, yeah. Yeah, fair enough. So yeah, it, it wouldn't... Yeah probably mean much to people True. i didn't have okay. a problem with it. it that also might be because i think in general i did just sort of have a warmer feeling to the movie than yeah. you did mm-hmm. which is just you know some a thing like right a taste no thing. and we've we've talked about this before like in, in films you like you can often do the work for the film mm-hmm. where you doesn't and if you don't like it you begin to notice those things and they kind of nag at you a little more so yeah that's fair. like you with a rival yeah. <laughs> I think you mean you with a rival, but yes, sure. keep going. Yes. Um, well, I, I so I didn't mind it. And also when I was doing research about Peel's influences and how he brought them to the screen, he apparently really, as a kid, like loved to watch clouds. Hmm. And he considers them kind of the first movies in a way, like to sit down and just lay on your back and watch the images go by and to make up your own ideas about what those images mean. I know this is going to sound like it's it's patronizing, but I don't mean it to be. There's a lot of shots of really lovely shots of clouds in this film. Mm-hmm. It's again, it's beautiful Which to watch. Which is yeah. harder to do than you would think. Like if mm-hmm. you you and I went out there and just like took pictures of clouds, yes. it probably wouldn't wouldn't be very like moving or interesting. Mm-hmm. Whereas this, it, it, the whole landscape, which is, by the way, commentary. All the movie is like, ugh, yeah, someone's going to write a book. That. <laughs> Yep. Area has been yeah. used for sci-fi movies for fifty years. Right. What it, other sci-fi it films? It reoccurs in Star Trek. Yeah. <laughs> like. Oh, is that where they shot um, the episode with the Gorn? <laughs> it's the yes. Gorn episode. It's the Gorn episode, and, and the reason I know this actually is not because 
of the Star Trek episode because they do it in Bill and Ted as well. If you remember, they which by the way, that's a film we might need to talk about. There are multiple. I think there are multiple Star Trek episodes in that area. Yeah, and then there's a very very familiar like a rock formation that if people want to pick it out, they can pick it out. So beautiful film, full of references. All right, let's get to Act Three. Let's get on with the spectacle. On Friday night, Jupe starts a not very well attended live show that makes it clear he knows about the UFOs as well. It seems he's been using the horses he bought from the Haywoods as animal sacrifices to attract the UFOs for months. Yep. He tries to sacrifice Lucky, but the horse ain't having it, staying stock still. In response, the UFO arrives early and hoovers up Jupe and the entire audience. OJ goes over to Jupe's ranch to rescue Lucky, but sees the UFO... Here's all the people trapped in it and says nope a lot. He intuits that the flying... <laughs> yep. He intuits that the flying saucer-looking UFO is not actually a spaceship, but an animal. As he says it, it's alive, it's territorial, and it thinks it's home. Returning to the Haywood Ranch, the animal UFO attacks the house and spits out partially regurgitated remains of its prey. While Angel and M freak out in the house, OJ figures out that the alien does not attack anyone who does not look directly at it. He therefore devises a plan to record it without having to observe it. M and Angel are hesitant, but then Antler, the cinematographer, and I'm never going to get tired of saying Antler, the cinematographer, calls. Uh, He sees news of the Jupiter's claim incident uh, all over the television and is all in. OJ then decides to name the UFO Jean Jacket, I believe after a horse that M was supposed to get. On a... So... Full disclosure, uh, it's a little bit embarrassing. I watched this film on my iPad, and I really regret it because this was the part of the film where, like, it looked pretty good, but I could tell, like, this is the part of the movie where I really wish I had watched it on a big screen. Not a big TV screen, but the actual, like, wish I'd gone to the movie theater because I think something got lost on my iPad. On the other hand, I had no idea that I would be freaked out by a very slow-sounding version of Corey Hart's sunglasses at night, and that freaked me the fuck out. So, Dan, one tiny problem I have with the movie is that sometimes its lack of subtlety (laughs) is... I think it's cheeky lack of subtlety. Like, I'm again, I'm willing to do a lot of work, but the sunglasses at night don't look people (laughs) in the eye. Could your hand be much heavier, Jordan? It's like he has a, a hundred pound weight on the hand. It is so heavy. <laughs> were you expecting like, were you expecting at one point Jordan Peele to like look in the cameras like, hey, hey, you see what I'm doing here? You see? Yeah, see yeah. what I did? See what I did See there? what I did there? Yep, yep, yep. Yeah, I also will point out, because I can't wait, but like there's a character named OJ who mm-hmm. is chased while riding a Bronco. <laughs> I mean, I, I when, he, when, when the character's name is OJ, I was like, he had to have done that on purpose. Oh, yeah. There is no way Jordan Peele... And just... it runs yeah. for its life... Yeah. ...on a Bronco. Yeah. <laughs> like, so not a lot of subtlety. Also, I will say, kind of lack of subtlety is the... Don't look at the spectacle, Dan. If you look <laughs> at the spectacle, it will eat you. Huh? Huh? By the way, so, yeah. Fun fact about this. When Jupe announces the you're going to see a spectacle, that actually happens at exactly... There's exactly an hour left in the film when he says that. Oh. Huh. That was that and which again had to have clearly been intentional. And also I believe I saw one of those explainers that he, it attacks at six thirteen. 
which is yeah, the time that it took for Gordy to go on his murderous rampage. Ah, okay. Fair enough. Six minutes yeah. and 13, 13 seconds. seconds. Yeah. Yeah. I also will say that mm-hmm. the blood raining down on the house mm-hmm. is mesmerizing, mm-hmm. weirdly. It's so good. Like, it's mm-hmm. it's... I think it's unusual for that to be like a compelling visual in a horror movie. I'm going but... to agree with you on this. But again, this is where like that was the moment where I was like, God, damn, I know like it was like I watching this and I know this is supposed to be better than it, and it, it, I, I believe that it was a great shot. It was like, just, like I just watched on it iPad, on a big TV good. and I was yeah. like, oh, man, that looks so cool. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. and also I'm going to say that one of the other themes, again, wearing the lead gloves yeah. <laughs> of the heavy handedness yes. is the recursiveness of colonization and genocide, right? Like how that happens <laughs> over and over again. So maybe there's something going on there that the Haywoods themselves are living on land that was taken from someone and no longer gets credit for it. And it was, you know, done via genocide. I don't know. I feel like I'm not I feel like I'm not going too far. <laughs> no, no, not with this film. Nope. Nope, 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 nope. nope. You're nope. not going too far. Nope. nope. Okay. Let's close with Act 4, To Catch a Space Jellyfish. OJ, M, Antler, and Angel craft a pretty decent plan to film Jean Jacket. This includes using scattered, inflatable tube men to detect where the UFO is, and Antler using a hand-cranked film projector to cover for when the electricity fails, and I haven't mentioned it so far, but when the UFO does appear, the electricity stops working. However, a paparazzi appears on, just before the UFO is supposed to arrive, on an electric bike. He heads into Jean Jacket's turf and is thrown from his electric motorcycle when it loses power. He gets eaten by the alien, even while begging OJ to film him. Holst gets some decent footage of Jean Jacket, but for truly inexplicable reasons, tries to get a better shot and gets devoured as well. Jean Jacket then attacks Angel, but because Angel is entangled in barbed wire, the alien spits him out and changes shape from saucer to cloth jellyfish. To save M, OJ intentionally looks directly at Jean Jacket, seemingly sacrificing himself and allowing M to use the motorcycle to rush to Jupiter's claim for safety. There, she untethers the park's large helium balloon mascot of Jupe, which, by the way, was another good Chekhov sort of, you know, thing. Jean Jacket attempts to digest the balloon while M uses an analog camera in the well that Honor talked about uh, to photograph the UFO before the balloon pops. With those pictures as proof of the creature's existence and reporters arriving nearby, M sees an unharmed OJ and Lucky standing outside of Jupiter's claim. So I'm sure everyone lives happily ever after. Again, the feel-good movie of the year. Got that Oprah shot. Yeah, they got the Oprah shot. Anna, is now a good time to talk about the Jupe subplot? Because I kept assuming that it would be connected to the larger plot, and while thematically I sort of get it, it doesn't actually happen. And also, this again, maybe it was the the watching it on the iPad, but I have to confess, the final scenes of the UFO, where you see it like in the sort of jellyfish mode, it was arresting, but I don't know if it quite worked for me. It didn't quite seem like an animal. I don't know how to put this, but... What do you think? I think you should have seen it on a bigger screen. Okay, fair enough. I think it's it's pretty arresting. Yeah. Again, sort of on my screen that is bigger than your average TV, but not like enormous. Mm-hmm. It was pretty transporting. Like, okay, it's cool looking. 
It happens. is. It, it's yes. It is like it was interesting to look at, but I, yeah. it was just it was strange. And I think it, it manages to convey some menace, which is sort of an impressive achievement given that it's sheets. You know, <laughs> that was the thing though. Like to me, it just looked like sheets. Like I, I let me put this way: I was more scared when it looked like the flying saucer than when it was than when it unfolded. I was um, more scared. And you mentioned this when before we started taping by yeah. the sounds. Yes. Makes. Yeah. That's oh, that's definitely true. Yes. Yeah. Well, the jupe plot, I think, I guess I'm willing to do the work for the movie. It is such an important part of the general commentary that Peel is making. Mm-hmm. I felt like it had to be there. It's disturbing as fuck. Yes, and again, one. this is where I think Stephen Yoon really adds something because it is amazing. Like, you know, again, that character doesn't have a lot in terms of, of writing working for him, but like the haunted looks he gives you know, even as he's trying to put on a mask was, was extraordinary. I was and the really way that it's filmed, that. which is with very yeah. little screen violence, but sounds, right. mm-hmm. it's just the sounds. Of oh God, squelchy, the sound of that chimp. Yes. Squelchy sounds, which, yeah. you know, Jordan Peele's not the first person to figure out that that's really disturbing, but right. he uses it really well. He does. And it's, I mean, again, lead gloves, but important, you know, it's an empty studio it is it all there's a very kind of like pointed shot of the cameras that with no one behind them right. you know filming the remains of the rampage and also in his adulthood Jupe has this he repeats the mistakes of the show right he mm-hmm. thinks that this can be turned that this wild animal can be turned into entertainment can be monetized can be monetized yeah. and he gets eaten <laughs> he gets eaten yeah and i think there's maybe a little bit of commentary again i feel like i could say anything like i could kind of draw all kinds of things and it's yeah. in there yeah because i think jordan Beale must have had an awesome time like kind of studying this with nuggets of like symbolism and meaning mm-hmm. i think it's about working within the system i think that's a fair statement that jupe still sort of sees himself as as being within the system and he thinks this is his big ticket yeah. and i think what by the way the other thing that peel makes very clear is that even if this hadn't gone horribly sideways i don't think it would have worked out it was striking to me like you you see like it's an incredibly sparsely attended show and like you know it was clear like he's got a grandiose vision but it's not going to come to fruition oh in my notes i actually <laughs> yeah i have is this star lasso experience supposed to be a thing that would be appealing and exist right exactly <laughs> And I, I think the answer is, is no, it's not really going to work very well. Um, and the other thing that the Jupe storyline shows us, and it's underscoring a, a message that's already in the film, is that Jupe especially lives his experience through media, right? Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. he does not live life unmediated. When yeah. he tells stories, they're through things that he's seen on TV. Like he tells, when they ask he him- He has that was, long rant on, or not rant, his long, the description of what happened to him, he doesn't even say what happened to him. He's like, oh, you got to watch the SNL. And it's like Chris Kattan, man. I mean, you right. know, and yeah. And then there's various unsubtle times when the movie is full of references to popular culture, right? Mm-hmm. Like there's the Scorpion King and then Oprah and ancient <laughs> aliens. And then Angel, like watching his TV as though it was a show, like yeah. watch, watching the, the security footage as though it right. was a show. Mm-hmm. So 
I think he is the most obvious example in the movie of that mediated existence. And I will say again, Adorno would have fucking loved this. Like, <laughs> man, Ted, hope you're doing the opposite of rolling in your grave, whatever that is. It's, yeah, he would have loved this. In that sense, he would have been like, finally, someone gets me. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, Dan, speaking of being gotten. Yes. I have a question. Shoot. Is there IR in this movie? Anna, I could look at this same damn movie for six months, and I think I'd see the same IR every time. And it's pretty simple. It's not, again, you, you talk about lead gloves. It's, it, this is meat and potatoes IR. This is all about sovereignty and territoriality. Um, you know, sovereignty is about who controls what and where. And that really is shot through this entire film. There's the relationship between the Haywood Ranch and Jupiter's world, the fact that literally M steals something uh, from Jupe's ranch and Jupe knows that, that M has stolen it and wants it back. But more importantly, it's the alien deciding that the entire valley is its valley. And therefore, you know, no one else has any rights there. Like, you know, I think it's clear that the alien decides they are the sovereign and it doesn't really matter what anyone else does. You know, it's not shocking. It's not the like the most amazing <laughs> IR finding, but it is worth pointing out because I can read ahead. I have to laugh. Yes, yes. That you know, a, one of the primary causes of war. It's not just the distribution of power that that all plays a role. It's just literally territorial disputes. I mean, we are have, we are recording this on the one year anniversary um, of Russia's invasion of Ukraine, which is about territorial disputes among other things. It's about you know. Who can control what? And so, not surprisingly, we get a lot of violence in this film because there's literally territorial disputes, not just between man and man, but between man and UAP. The other thing, the other sort of small element of, of IR that, that this is in is the sort of need for verifiable information, um, which is to say it's not enough for someone to observe when someone else is violating the rules or when someone else is doing something. You need to have evidence that is not just observable to you, but you can communicate to everyone else. And so the whole obsession with the Oprah shot is because it's not enough to say, I've seen a UAP. Um, it's that, no, 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 I've not only seen the UAP, I can demonstrate when you look at this that you will believe that I've seen the UAP. And so Would that's the verifiability. that lived experience is not enough? Lived experience is not enough. Is that perhaps I'm... something that the movie is making yep, commentary on? That, that could possibly be something. <laughs> The one last thing, and this is a meta point, which is I, I kind of wonder what my colleague Alex Went thought of this film, because the other thing this film, I think, over time is going to reflect is a slight change in the popular culture discourse when it comes to UFOs, because they actually have a conversation in the film. I think it's Angel and OJ talk about the fact that, A, they're not called UFOs anymore. They're called UAPs, Unidentified Aerial Phenomenon. And OJ talks about the Navy videos that, that were released back in 2018 suggesting there were literally unidentified flying objects and what the hell is going on. And so it's just interesting because like, you know, I think even 10 years ago, if you had talked about UFOs realistically in a film, you would have had to have like a whole conversation about, oh, you're just a whack job or you're a conspiracy theorist. There is none of that in this film. The idea that there are UFOs is a uncontroversial observation. It's just a question of, can we have evidence documenting it? 
and that that's what you need in order to get the get on Oprah, as it were. So that's an interesting you know meta point I would make. I think that's a really good one, actually. I, I think this might be the first movie that we've talked about on this show that reflects that shift. I believe you're right. Yes, that's correct. Yeah, and it'll be interesting to see how this is treated going forward, because it might be this again. It's not. It's not saying, oh yeah, aliens definitely exist. It's more the. I've seen an unidentified flying object, and that person is not immediately labeled as a kook who has to prove themselves wrong. And that's what's interesting about it. So, Anna, I have a question for you. Yes, Dan. And I'm going to say this might be the easiest question I've ever asked you in the history of this podcast. Is there a critique of capitalism in Nope? <laughs> Dan, what's a word for a bad miracle? <laughs> I call it capitalism. There we go. So, as we have already discussed, Peel has made his feelings about capitalism pretty plain. Uh, I don't know how much there is to cover that we haven't already, since it's fucking all over the place. It's but not subtle, yes. It's not subtle that the lead gloves come into come You You don't have to do the work in this case, Ada. The film has done the work for you. Yeah, like some of the more, like I have this uh, more elaborate interpretations that I'm doing work, but yeah, this is... Yeah. Like, for instance, the only, the more, most subtle thing might be, did you see this, the green horse getting wheeled into the set of the commercial to take the place of Lucky? No, I didn't. Okay, that yeah. is, yeah. So, <laughs> mediated existence, the replacement of real things with representations that are more easily yep. controlled and that you can extract labor from without <laughs> compensating them. Mm-hmm. And then there's the voraciousness of the viewer, uh, which is what? jupe calls jean jacket right ah right and the voraciousness they consume everything the viewer is king the viewer has to like have everything all the time and that forces creators to become predatory Hmm. but then they're consuming their own viewers And so the cycle is just, is it's kind of a, an endless cycle you have to create viewers because you consume viewers and you create content it ends in bloodshed. That's what happens. Uh, and then there's also this idea of like capitalism takes, sucks people in and, and spits them out, right? <laughs> I want to point out one more thing. Yes. Jean Jacket dies because it tries to incorporate an empty piece of entertainment. <laughs> That's good, Anna. That's good. That's actually relatively subtle. I would I would even go so far as to say. So yeah, there I like that there are there's a lot of heavy handedness, but there's also a lot of subtlety that you that you can appreciate. I mean, I'm probably gonna watch this again. I think I didn't love this like right when it ended. Yeah, like I wasn't like oh, it's a great movie. I was more like hmm, interesting. But I've mm-hmm. thought about it a lot. I enjoyed all the essays I read. <laughs> <laughs> There's a really yep. good one in, in Vox if people are looking for it. I'll, Ooh, I'll, I'll okay. link to it. Good to know. And then as far as commentary and capitalism, mm-hmm. this is a product. Yes. It is a summer blockbuster <laughs> that has to exist within the market as well as critique it. Right? And so his heroes are not punished for trying to monetize the spectacle themselves. Mm-hmm. In part because, hey, there might be a sequel, right? <laughs> And again, I do love the fact that, like, Jordan Peele, I assume, has made a mint off of these last three films because, you know, 
he's the director and writer and so on and so forth. He doesn't have to borrow it from anyone else's IP. So I'm, you know, good for him is all I can say. I, of course, all of us have to live in capitalism. I yes. mean, that's the thing. Yeah. Oh, you, hey, you're critiquing the system. You yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Uh, that doesn't make us hypocrites. It just means that's the system that's dominant right now. And I'll just remind people, the only reason I care so much about this and I keep going on about it, it's not that I think we're going to overthrow the system. Well, maybe someday. But capitalism is not necessarily the only way that people can live. It is a choice and not a force of nature. But boom, boom. End. Dropping mic. Knocking on wood. All the things. That's a nice segue to other noises, Anna. Use this cordon notes. Horse Winnie. <laughs> it's time for discordant notes. Uh, this is when we take questions from the patrons about the film and answer them in the pod. So we have two questions this time. Uh, the first is from Doug O. And the question is, what's the deal with the shoe? So to set this in the flashback of the chimp massacre in the 1990s, at one point, young Jupe looks out and sees what I think is a ballerina shoe. Um, it is a, probably a Ked skimmer. Dan. Yeah. But the point is, is that it is, <laughs> it is just standing straight up in a way that it Balanced should on not. Its toe. Exactly. Yeah. In a way that, that the laws of physics suggest should not happen. And I don't have an answer to this question because when I that was the reason why when I saw that, I thought, oh, this has to be connected to the UFO because like that shouldn't happen. But I have no answer for what the shoe is. Anna, I, I know you've read all the essays, so might you have an answer for this? The Internet has theories, Dan. <laughs> you might be surprised. Yeah. But the Internet has some theories. I'm stunned. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, one of them is that it is an example of a quote-unquote bad miracle. Hmm. I don't okay. love that one. I'm not crazy about that, yeah. Uh, although it is also repeated in Jupe's memorabilia dungeon. Hmm. Oh, do you see the shoe there? Yeah, you do. Oh, okay, all right. So maybe, who knows? Like, I don't know what's I... balancing there. I assume it's not balanced there. I assume yeah. it's just in acrylic. Let me put it this way. Like you, I think I'm going to need to watch this film again and watch it on a larger screen because I do, I, it did raise enough questions that I think I, I, it merits that. I will send you some links, Dan. Okay. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> and then this is the theory that I'm partial to, which yeah. is that it draws Jupe's memory into question. That it huh. is in fact such an impossible thing. And it's the thing that only he saw. Interesting. So do we believe him or not? Sort of like the UFO thing, right? That's possible. Although this There's raises no the... proof of it. And then also it's clear that we don't know how much to trust Jupe about his recollection of it, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, we we get what we think is the real thing when is a flashback, but yeah. I don't know. He's not a reliable he is not a reliable narrator. No, he's not a reliable narrator. And I have to say the thing the one again, this is where you're doing the work for the film and I like felt a little bit out of it. The thing I kept thinking about during those flashback sequences was just, come on, there's gotta be a guy with a trank gun if there is an animal on a set. Like that that made no sense to me whatsoever. Like that was, the question I kept asking was, there was no one there, no one interceded. You know, that that didn't make any sense to me at all. So I that was the thing that sort of It is me funny how sequences. when we we don't like a movie, like yeah. where we draw our lines in the sand in terms yes. of realism. Right. And it's yeah. true. It's not in a, the like, UFO I, movie. You're like, where's the guy with the trank? Where's gun? the guy with the trank gun? Yeah. I know, but like, I and I grant you this. Like, on the one hand, like, the same. 
yeah, yeah. Same. Yeah. I do the same. I mean, again, if, if people have not heard our discussion about Arrival, where you will really hear me go to town. <laughs> oh, yeah. On things that aren't realistic in a movie about both aliens about and aliens. time travel. Yep. <laughs> what I found problematic. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I think in some ways this is my this is my Arrival, which yeah. is not to say that I didn't like it, but it was just I didn't yeah. quite. Yeah. Same. I like Arrival more than it came off in that discussion. Yeah. So. All right. Uh, the next question is from Dan Brennan, which is, what property or genre would you like to see Jordan Peele take on next? I kind of want to see, like, I don't know, like, again, part of Jordan Peele's appeal is that he does new stuff. Kind of want to see him remake Barry Gordy's The Last Dragon, just because I freaking love that movie as a kid. And, like, I bet he could do really weird shit with it. But yeah. Yeah, I, I, I like that. I think he, he's a fucking genius. Like, I mean, I would watch almost anything he chose. I guess he was offered to do a remake of Akira, oh, the okay. anime, and mm-hmm. turned it down. So interesting. I was thinking I'd love him to do Amityville Horror as a <laughs> commentary about redlining. I like that. That's good. Yeah, yeah. That's good. And maybe it's just because I saw the house bleeding thing. Maybe that just <laughs> made me think of it. But, oh, boom. wait, what's that? Boom. He thinks the house is bleeding. Oh, my God. Keys and coins. Oh, no. Yes. Ah, detritus. Just, There's yes. detritus everywhere. It's the debris field. It's yes. the detritus field. Yeah. Uh, this is where we talk about what we haven't gotten to. Gotten to a mm-hmm. lot. Yeah. But I have things. Do you have things, Dan? I have two things. That's it. You want to go first? <laughs> Yes. No, I, I I was looking at up mine, Dan. You can, oh, okay. you can go first. <laughs> first thing, little, it's simple, but I have to admit, I'm not sure if I was supposed to laugh at this or not, but the stomach cam was was something. I don't know quite how to put it, but like, I, it took me a while to realize what I was watching. I think and I it realized, was disturbing and funny. Yes, I think that's true. But like, the alien stomach cam was just, it was something to watch. And it, it was, you know... Truly unique in terms of, of Jordan Peele. Uh, what have you got, Anna? So we talked about the nope line being sort of a, a quasi-commentary about some of the race stuff that happens in horror. The line, when he's going back to rescue a person who is not identified by race, the TMZ person with right. the metallic helmet. With the, with the mirror helmet, yeah. It is interesting. I did assume it was a white person, but that's an interesting thing on its own. Okay. Right? Yeah. yeah. When OJ goes back to a try to rescue that person mm-hmm. m says no self-respecting and then she gets cut off and <laughs> i think i know what word she was going to use and it's mm-hmm. a word that i will not use yeah you probably shouldn't <laughs> yeah. i also will say the tmz guy wearing that mirror helmet which is a callback to the mirrored ball the mirror that is ball. held up yeah mm-hmm. to in front of the horse which the horse reacts to yeah i did not know what that was do you know what that is no i didn't what is that I watched a whole video. (laughs) Okay. It is how uh, CGI looks realistic. You put that mirror ball into a scene to record the light levels and then take a picture of it. And you can put that picture into a computer program. And it'll allow... And it'll it'll recreate the light values. Oh, interesting. At at 360 degrees. So that when you put a CGI object into a... 3D space, a real 3D space, it doesn't mm-hmm. look two-dimensional, right? It light mm-hmm. hits it, and you get shadows and whatnot. So I thought that was interesting. That is interesting. 
anything else for you? I, I have a few more things. The only the last thing for me was I the thing that I legit loved in terms of the critique of capitalism was when they're doing the plan was that they were using monopoly pieces. Yes, I wrote that down. Because yeah. that was just freaking genius. Because like the whole point is, is that they want to get the monopoly on yeah. the pictures of the UFO. And at this point, they're a little worried about this because everyone else is starting to pay attention to it. So like I love that it was monopoly pieces. That was where I was like, chef's kiss, Jordan Peele, well done. Can we say like not subtle but clever is a really good way to describe a lot of what's going on with him? Yeah, and, yeah not subtle yeah. but clever. Uh, yeah. Speaking of which... Antler, the cinematographer, which is fun mm -hmm. to say, he dies chasing the perfect shot or the Oprah shot, you might say, yeah. on a mountain, which is the thing that he had literally kind of just said to him, which is that chasing fame and fortune is a dream that you won't wake up from. Hey, yep, yep. yep. So that happens with Antler. And then at one point after uh, Jupe's crowd and Jupe have all been sucked up, and mm -hmm. uh, OJ is surveying the wreckage. There is a pig on the roof of one of the Oh, buildings. that's right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You may wonder, what the fuck? Right? <laughs> Pigs can't look up. I did not know that. Pigs are physically incapable of looking up. Okay. So Good to know. Monster would not have sucked up the pig. Now, what is a pig doing at the Wild West show? I don't know. But. Ours is not to question. That. Yes. Yeah. Uh, I thought the costuming was really good throughout mm -hmm. I, I i as a as a gen xer there's like yeah. it's very like 90s costuming there was a period in this film where i couldn't figure out if it was supposed to be present day or early aughts actually yeah um i, yeah. I think it was because oj's cell phone is incredibly old so like that was part of it but well but yeah yeah, yeah and, uh, and him not subtle <laughs> yeah <laughs> he doesn't have a he, he has trouble getting his camera out on his yes. phone at one exactly. point right yeah. like he has to like go through the he doesn't just isn't able to just pick it up yeah. and uh, turn his phone into a camera like some of us can like all mm -hmm. most of us can these days yeah, and speaking yeah. of which i have other stuff but folks go watch the movie you'll come up with your own list post about it in the discord tell us in the comments mm -hmm. uh, i've been watching a lot of youtube and so <laughs> The whole like hit subscribe. There you go. <laughs> and also the way that like the thirsty hosts will always be like, "What do you think? Say in the comments." <laughs> yes, I do. <laughs> so what do you think? You know, tell me in the comments. Uh, but I swear to God, this is the last thing. The alien is a camera, Dan. The the mouth oh, of the alien right. is like an aperture. It and is shutter. a camera. Yeah, that actually. Yes, I love that point. Not subtle. No. Nope. But clever. But that's a great way to close. <laughs> it is. We are not subtle, but clever, I think. I yes, think that's also that's, a good description. That's, that's our motto, yes. Maybe when we finally get our t-shirts. Not subtle. Mm -hmm. There we go. Clever. All right. Dan, this was a fun chat. Uh, yep. We are going to talk about My Soul to Keep and then mm -hmm. The Core. Oh, yeah. Which will be fun. And I think, yeah, My Soul to Keep, it's a horror, it's a horror novel, which I tend to, I think there's a high degree of difficulty, and this one has a very good reputation, so I'm looking forward to it. Same here. And until then. Keep this channel open for more. <laughs> <laughs>